Welcome to the Marketplace Missionaries Podcast with Donnie and Kai, where we teach you to integrate your faith into the workplace. And as you heard on last week's episode with Bill, it is not compartmentalized. It is one thing altogether. So I know that um, last week we were expected to drop Donnie's podcast. Um, you know, we, we recorded Bill's. And it was just really good. Uh, wanted to go ahead and get it out to y'all. We are going weekly now. After in lieu of Bill's episodes, it was really good. I'm really excited for y'all to listen to that. Really want to get it out. As we mentioned, like that's just stuff that we wish we'd heard um, younger in life. So we really wanted to go ahead and give y'all the opportunity to listen to that. So, Yeah, um, we also just got a lot of feedback from some of the audience asking if we can go live with a new, new episode weekly. And so that was super encouraging to us to hear that. And because of that, we want to commit to pumping out one episode a week. So, yeah, super encouraged by y'all as well. Like just taking the time to listen. Like, you know, um, I think I said it in one of the episodes. Like, you know, we don't run ads. Like, this is really for y'all. Like, we don't we don't do this for us. We want we want y'all to have the information. And it's, it's free to y'all. We just ask that y'all like, rate, um, and then just share it. Like, that's really it. That's what uh, we, we're trying to spread the word of God, especially here in Little Rock and all over the world. So um, we are going to dive into Donnie so that y'all can learn a little bit about Donnie. I've had a few people text me and be like, who's the Donnie guy you were with? And it was just really <laughs> funny. I'm like, oh, I guess I don't know Donnie. Dude, I just want to say, like, it is cold today in Little Rock. I think when I look a couple of minutes ago, it was like 28 degrees, and that is not sitting well with my bones or my tongue. And so if you hear a sniffle or mouth... <laughs> clacking, shuddering, whatever. It's cold this morning. Yeah, man. It's uh, walking over here. I was like, oh, dude, it is cold. And if we're in the garage, that's where we shoot. So, yeah, yeah just if you hear a sniffler or two, we'll try to turn away from the mic so it's not loud. But uh, yeah, so we're asking, bear with us. Yeah, we're asking for grace this morning because yeah. it's super cold. Yeah, so without further ado, um, Donnie, let's, uh, let's hear about how you came up in this world, man. Yeah, man. So I'm originally from a city called Bloemfontein. It's situated right in the middle of South Africa. I was uh, born and raised in an incredible family. Uh, my mom and dad are truly incredible. I view them as my first gospel coaches. And so they did everything in their power, understanding, and knowledge to introduce us to the Bible, to God, and what Jesus has done for us through church on Sundays, um, Sunday school, uh, family Bible studies at night, and just really putting us in a school that really honored honored Christ. And so from an early age, man, I, I knew how to read the Bible. I knew how to pray. Um, I, I would say that intellectually I know who God was and what he did, but I didn't, ha- I didn't have a relationship with him. And so I think it was all intellectual growing up. And so um, I was still a good kid, really good kid. Uh, started playing rugby uh, at the age of six in South Africa, Kind of the main sports consist of rugby, cricket, and soccer. You know, in America, most kids grow up playing basketball, baseball, you know, and football. In South Africa, it's a little bit different. And so from a young age, started playing rugby. Um, Rugby is a huge part of the South African culture, especially the Afrikaner culture, which is my culture. My my first language is Afrikaans. And so rugby has always been a huge part of that culture, like football is in the south of America, and so uh, got two siblings, uh, a brother that's two years older than me, and then a sister that's four years younger than me, and so growing up, man, we were a super close family, uh, spent a lot of time on my grandma's farm, 
um, and then also spent some summer vacations at the beach. And so just grew up in a just amazing uh, family. My my mom and dad uh, were both police officers, you know, from a young age. And then eventually my dad transitioned into, you know, being an entrepreneur and being a, a business owner. And so learned a lot from my dad about just uh, leadership, discipline, structure. Both my mom and dad are very disciplined, very structured, but also very loving and kind. And so uh, just grew up in a just amazing family, man. And to this day, I still have a really good relationship with my mom and dad. Heck, yeah, that's awesome, man. You know, um, I love the studies, and I'd like to get Bill on the studies back on that podcast to talk about the fatherhood in a mm-hmm. man and stuff. I know when I first came here, um, that's what me and Bill actually studied. Mm-hmm. When I kept asking for a Bible study, and he was like, oh, we'll get he there. He kept reverting yeah. it back to he's fatherhood. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, we'll get there. We need to learn about being a father. And it's like, mm-hmm. I love the studies about that. Like, you know, you talk about how your family, like, integrated, like, discipline and hard work and stuff. Like, the impact of a father in a child's life, I'd really like to discuss that some. And, you know, it, like, there's been a bunch of spiritual studies there, too, you know, like, whether right or wrong, it's what our human brain does. We personify God with, like, our own father. Yep, exactly. Like, so, I mean, the impact it has on us is really good to see. Like, yeah, I've had conversations with guys that have, like, you know, distant fathers, and it's like, they they think God's distant. It's like, right. I mean, that's so far from the truth. And I think it's really good for us to hear, especially, like, you have three kids now. Mm-hmm. I hope to have some kids in the future. Yeah. Um, but it's like, how much do I need to really look like God to give my son a proper, or and daughter, give my son and daughter a proper view of like, this is this is what God is like. He is loving and stuff. So, and it really goes back to you know this past week in our men's Bible study, we we studied the attributes mm-hmm. of God, and I think like you said, I think that's crucial. The better understand God, the better understand. We, we better understand ourselves and then the better it reflects our need for Jesus because at the end of the day, God is perfect and we are not. And because of that separation, um, we need somebody that can step in and be our mediator and that's really who Jesus is and what he did for us. Yeah, 100%. So on to the next uh, stage in Donnie's life. Like after uh, you, like, explain like getting over here. And getting like, to the stage yeah. essentially, yeah. So... Crazy thing happened, man. So South Africa, being in the, the southern hemisphere, they're about eight hours ahead in time. And so when I was 12 years old, 9-11 happened, right? I mean, the big terrorist attacks in America. And so um, South Africa being eight hours ahead, I was a 12-year-old, came home from school that day with my backpack on my back, um, turned on the TV, and then all the, the channels had the exact same thing on. In big, bold red letters, it showed... America under attack and the top left hand corner it showed this little box saying live so I understood that this is this is happening right now in America and so at that point the first tower uh, was struck and so as a 12 year old man I had no idea uh, truly what was going on or why people would do this to each other and so I just stood there as a 12 year old with my backpack on my back and kind of watched these events unfold and so eventually the second uh, tower got struck and dude I just remember cheering up because again I was thinking to myself why would people do is do this to each other could people be this evil um, and so eventually the the first tower collapsed and uh, 
they showed an image that I'll never forget. It was the image of a, of a New York fighter fighter uh, running with a, a female in both of his arms. And you can tell, like, this lady was in bad shape. Blood, debris everywhere. So he was doing everything in his power to get her to a nearby ambulance to try and save her life. And in that moment, two desires grew in my heart. Number one, I want to go to America. And then number two, so that I can go help the American people. And as a 12-year-old, I had no idea how that was going to come about. But deep down, I knew that this is something that's going to happen. And so... Going to fast forward uh, to age 16, still playing rugby, uh, was still a good rugby player, and so that, that, that same desire was still in my heart, and so um, one day I was just kind of, you know, on the internet and looking at USA Rugby, and on their website, I kind of listed out a couple of universities that gave international scholarships to rugby players, and so... Uh, English being my second language, my, my English was still super broken, but uh, I had the boldness um, to really reach out to all five of those head coaches of those different universities and um, didn't really expect anything in return. And so a couple of weeks later, you know, got an email back from Texas A&M, um, you know, they, they weren't interested, uh, got an, another email back from... Um, you know, some university in California, uh, same thing. And then eventually got an email back in my first language in Afrikaans from one of the assistant coaches at Arkansas State University, and he was very, very interested. And so I ended up sending him some game film, and one thing led to another, and they extended me a scholarship. And then in January 2008, uh, I got on, got on a first plane, I got on my first <laughs> airplane ride ever, you know, left my family behind and uh, showed up in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, the head co- the assistant coach came and picked me up from Memphis and then uh, showed up in Jonesboro, Arkansas, of all places, man. So that was kind of a, a huge step of faith, you know, as an 18-year-old um, transitioning away from, you know, loved ones that I have a close relationship with to now kind of being on my own, being by myself and really embarking on this dream and desire that I've had since a, since a 12-year-old. Heck yeah, man. You know, I, I love the uh, story about when you're headed from Memphis to Jonesboro. Dude. Like you're just <laughs> all these rice fields, it's flat. What? Like, because for those of y'all who have never taken the trip from Memphis to Jonesboro, you want to know what's between there? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like, rice rice and more rice and so yeah like in that ride it's about hour and a half I kept asking myself what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing essentially like freaking out like what have I just done but deep down I knew like man God is in control and he he has me on this journey for a reason you know yeah man and I think and the reason I wanted to bring it up too I really I love like the boldness to come and it's like you know thinking about especially like me right now and like just off the conversations we had right before we started recording the podcast, like good things happen when you're bold. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, and I think it's really tough to like step out of that comfort zone a lot, but it's like, oh man, like it what's and we know it, especially as like, I think young children, like if you want something, you, you gotta be uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's really good to see. Like, you know, you had the boldness to come and it's like, but even then, like the next step, 
like you get to Memphis and you're like, okay, here, yeah, I'm here, I'm here now, (laughs) and now then you go on this like, I'll put in air quotes, like a journey Mm -hmm. where you're not seeing anything. There's, I'm gonna use the word improvement, but there's no improvement from Memphis to Jonesboro. Like you don't see any traction. It's like I hadn't seen anything. And dude, you have to understand. Like at this point, I'm 18 years old. My English is still very broken. So I didn't speak a whole lot of English. You know, I'm, I can understand it, sure, but I couldn't really articulate well in some aspects. And so, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I feel yeah. like a foreigner, you know, yeah, which so, I was. Yeah, you were. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't feel like it. Yeah. But it's like, even in our godly walk, it's like, how many times do we question, you know, like, just like you're saying, like, oh, God, what did I get into? Mm-hmm. It's like, sometimes we don't know. And, you know, I think we were talking about it. At, it was either D group or downline or something. It's like, if we just knew, it was, uh, it was the group, that's what it was. It's like, if we just knew God's plan, how much more would we just be like, okay, I'm not saying anything, but I know you got something for yeah. me. And it's like, when I think about your trip from South Africa to Memphis to Jonesboro, it's like, that honestly is like a really good de- depiction of what we see. It's like, hey, you know, the boldness to step out of your comfort zone, that's Memphis. It's like, okay, now that you're here, now we're – working towards something, Jonesboro, yeah. it's like, you may not see anything, but it, I got something for you. And, you know, sometimes I think when we go into, like, quiet periods from the Lord, I think especially in our day and age today with the cell phones, it's, you know, quick. Um, you know, that's just not how the world works. Right. Um, sometimes there is that Memphis to Jonesboro drive, and I think it's really good for us as men to sit back and say, you know, sometimes, like, and now I hate saying patience is a virtue because – I don't believe that, <laughs> but uh, it is, you know, I think uh, taking some time and saying, you know, I'm, I am going to place faith in the Lord. Like, I mm-hmm. understand. I don't see it. I don't understand where I'm at. As you like you were saying, you know, I, I don't understand, like, really what I'm, what yeah. they're saying in the car right now. You know, it's like, how many times are we in a place of uncomfortableness? I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. Well, we'll make it. Yeah. I, I make words <laughs> yeah. up all the time at work. <laughs> but, uh. It's like, if we're in that area and we don't understand, how much more should we just look back and say, God, you were with me in South Africa, Memphis, Jonesboro? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. And, you know, even just see God's plan, like, through you, like, getting you to Arkansas State, and that's what we'll dive into now. Like, yeah. at your time at Arkansas State, let's hear about, you know, how you began to follow the Lord. It's like, mm-hmm. it's weird to see how. I love looking back, and it's what we talked about Thursday night at D Group as well. It's like, it's really easy, you know, to look back at uh, the Pharisees and yeah, scripture. And all that. Scripture kind of reminds us yeah. to remember what the Lord God has done, and so you kind of see that theme mm-hmm. throughout Scripture: is remember, remember, remember. And yeah. so, uh, I think for me, you know, uh, that sounded like a bird flying through the garage, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what that was. Yeah, uh, but you know, I would say that. For 18 years of my life, I was a fan of Jesus and not a follower of Jesus. And those two concepts and those two positions are very different. Think of it in terms of a sporting team. If I'm a fan, I'm just kind of chilling on, on the sidelines. Just I'm not engaged in the game. I'm just cheering you know, people on. But if I'm actually an athlete, I'm all in. I'm putting everything on the line. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice everything to win this game. And so that was kind of the, the same position I was in. Growing up, I knew all the right answers. I intellectually knew there was a God. You know, he had a son, Jesus Christ, who was God. Um, and so 
you know. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. I wonder if it's picking up something on the outside. Okay, I think we killed the bird. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. We technical difficulties. Yeah, but um, you know, uh, again, 18 years of my life, a fan of Jesus, and so came to the states and really fell in love with the whole partying scene. Uh, I would say that you know I, I felt like a a broken bucket with holes in it, and I try to fill up my life. I try to get joy and satisfaction by filling up my life with rugby, you know, partying, getting intoxicated at rugby parties because, uh, you know, the culture of the, the rugby team is they go hard in everything they do. And so it was the exact same for rugby parties. Rugby parties were kind of known for being just being wild. And so kind of, kind of found my identity in that, um, uh, that I enjoy it at times. Sure, but I always felt broken, always felt empty, you know, and so um, and so my first semester, uh, I was getting ready to go to rugby practice, and then I was in the cafeteria, and this gentleman by the name of Chuck McElroy came and sat in front of me. Uh, he was working for Campus Outreach at that time, and we started, you know, talking about, you know, my life in South Africa, and uh he asked me a question that hit me like a brick in the face. He asked me, Donnie, if you were to die tonight and you would stand before God and God asked you, hey, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you respond to that? And I was like, man, I'm a, I'm a good kid. You know, I grew up in church. I know my Bible. I pray. But I've also done some bad things. I've, you know, got drunk, did, did all of that stuff. And then he, he asked me a follow-up question that... Uh, kind of really rocked my world. He's, and he asked me, Donnie, so how good is good enough to enter into God's place? How good is good enough to enter heaven? And dude, I just sat there, didn't have, didn't have an answer, didn't have a response to that. And Chuck asked me, are you willing to investigate the answer to that? I'm like, heck yeah, of course I want to know. And so Chuck and I started meeting uh, once a week and we started reading through the book of Romans, and eventually we came to Romans 6.23, which, which, which states, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Chuck and I drew out the, uh, uh, this bridge illustration where, you know, God is perfect and holy and righteous on the one side of the bridge, and I'm on the other side of the bridge because I'm a sinner I've done bad things, I will continue to do sin, and because of my sin, it creates this big old separation, big gap between myself and, and a perfect God, and there's no way for me to get to God based on my own merit, based on my own works, but God being gracious and loving and kind, send a bridge for humanity to get to God, and that bridge is Jesus Christ. And we have to trust that He is Lord and He is Savior of our lives. And we have to uh, exchange our trust from ourselves, our own works, into Jesus. And so um, so the Holy Spirit really used the book of Romans and Romans 6.23 to convict me of my sins. But then also to point me towards my need for Jesus. And through that whole process, uh, my heart was changed. And I transitioned from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. And that was my first semester at ASU. 
Heck yeah, I really like that for describing that transition from, especially fan to follower. I always use when I'd say evangelizing and you know talking to guys that aren't Christians, um, especially here in the South. I think this would be good for the audience to hear as well. Like you hear a whole lot of, oh, I believe in Jesus. The devil also believes in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, like, I think that's a very good point to bring up. Like, you know, as a fan, you know the team's out there, but you're not on the team. Exactly. And it's like, you, being in the stadium, you you don't get into heaven, like, yeah. at the end of the day. You know, and that's, that's a really interesting uh, fact about Christianity, because uh, out of the ten major religions in the world, all of those religions, their salvation method, salvation philosophy is based on what can I do to get into heaven or the afterlife. And Christianity is like, no, you cannot do anything, but it's all based on what Jesus has done. And so that, that, was, just, that, that was just this beautiful image for me as a freshman in college to, to understand that it's not something I have done, but everything Jesus has done for me. Yeah, man. And I mean, that's that's the best news you're ever going to hear yep. right there. Um, you know, just <laughs> it, it, it's it's so simple that it makes it difficult for a lot of people. And I think mm-hmm. that's where me and you kind of both were, you know. Right. Like, being a fan, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to be a part of that. But it's still like all I got to do is just follow. And, you know, I, I would love to, which I hope up in heaven there's like a <laughs> – What's a, is it a VCR? Is that where you put it? A tape, that? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our audience is like, what is a VCR? Like? <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I always imagine, like a VCR room, and you just, uh, you know, take a little piece off. and their life. In. Yeah, or like history and stuff. Yeah. And I really hope, like, there's just, you can go back and view, like, a camera image or video of Jesus just walking in some stranger's house being like, hey, y'all want to follow me? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and it's like, could you just imagine if we're sitting here and Jesus walks right here? Hey, y'all want to follow me? Let's go. Dude, that's exactly <laughs> what he did to the fishermen. It's like, yeah. hey, drop your fishing nets. Let's go. We got work to do, man. Yeah, man. It's like, I would just love to see that. But it's like, even in our life today, like, it, it is like that. You know, you, like you're saying, I mean, you did have to pick up mm-hmm. and leave your old life behind of yeah, being a which fan. which is hard, no doubt. Yeah, man. But it's like, being on this side of it, it, it's easy to be like, oh, that was the best decision I ever made. And it was really, you know, when I... When my heart was changed as a freshman in college, uh, for the other rugby guys that, you know, we spent a lot of time together, it was confusing to them because they still viewed me as freshman Donnie, partying Donnie, and now all of a sudden this guy, you know, doesn't get intoxicated anymore and seems like his desires have changed. And, um, you know, some of them just didn't understand, but um, I felt like a new person. I felt like, man, I don't really have a desire to get intoxicated anymore i don't have a desire to um you know be a goofball at parties and do stupid stuff but i have this new desire to to become more like jesus and uh um be be all that i could be in light of what he has done for me you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's really good so after a state catch us up to now you know like what'd you do after a state yeah so uh ended up graduating with a degree in corporate finance. Um, as a freshman in college, I wanted to go work on Wall Street as an investment banker. And so that's what that what led to me doing corporate finance. And so ended up getting a job in banking uh, post 
college. It was not investment banking, but I was a bank consult, uh, bank consultant, also more like a bank auditor. So I did loan review, compliance audits uh, for banks of all sizes, ranging from small community banks to really big, big banks. And so um, uh, around my junior year of, of college, uh, started you know dating a girl called uh, Rachel. And eventually got married to Rachel uh, a year after I graduated. Uh, we got married in December of 2013. And, uh, dude, we got pregnant a couple of weeks after honeymoon. And so life was moving fast. I mean, transitioning to the real world. Uh, got married. Uh, we got pregnant. And so that's really where my, my transition into the business world started. Um, did the... Uh, the bank consulting gig for about three and a half years, learned a lot about just how money and business work from a banking standpoint, but also from a personal finance standpoint. Um, so really fell in love with just the, the flow of money, uh, cash cash flow, lending, kind of just all of the financial components to that. Um, um, but I did a ton of traveling for that bank consulting firm, and so... Um, you know, all of the traveling for a young married family wasn't really conducive anymore. And so I transitioned away from the uh, the banking industry into the car wash industry. And around that same time, um, I was working full time. Um, you know, we had a kid. I was married. I went through downline, you know, which is a nine month uh, seminary crash course. And then I went back to grad school as well to do an MBA. A master's in business and so that was honestly one of the busiest seasons of my life is working full-time doing grad school downline still did personal ministry as well through fellowship bible church and so it was a season of a lot of sanctification um you know my dad from a young age told us that anything worthwhile in life never comes easy and it comes at a cost and so that was really a season of a lot of sacrifice. Um, you know, I remember getting up at 4.30s in the weekdays and on weekends I'd write papers, do my reading. And so it was just a busy season, but a season that produced a lot of growth. And so joined Splash in 2015 um, as the director of people and culture. Um, and so Splash is a company that owns, operates and develops car washes. And so never my wildest imagination that I expect to work in a, for a car wash company because in South Africa, you know, we didn't really have that. Um, most of the car washing was done and still is being done by hands, like, you know, getting a hose and soap and doing it just manually. So, heck, yeah. So got a whole lot coming up. Um, you know, before we get into your day-to-day life, I mean, really sounds like you're just super busy like outside of I call it like sanctioned Jesus time like D group studying seminary all that like on your personal side like the alone time with God how did you fit that in like through that busy stage of life because I know for like me right now like I feel like I'm I feel like I'm about to go into that Um, I'm definitely speeding up life and things are happening where I don't really have a lot of time in between things. And as me and you were talking like this week, I mean, really since the start of the year, I feel like me and you have both just been Mm -hmm. super busy. Um, So like, how do you fit that into your day to day 
or how did you, rather, not not right now, but back then, like when it was, you know, hey, you're trying to you're trying to build your life um, in your twenties. Like, yeah. how did you fit that alone time in? Yeah, I think you know one attribute that God has really gifted me in is being a very disciplined guy, and so um, I I practice those disciplines from an early age and it's something that I had to make time for because it's crucial I mean it was crucial to to get up early um, spend time with the Lord in the scripture and, and prayer and during that time I did a lot of journaling as well because I'm a high perf- I'm a high performing introvert um, which somebody else defined me that way at one point but uh, because of that, I kind of process internally by writing, and so uh, there are a lot of journaling. I would, for example, get up four thirty, uh, spend time in the scripture, uh, pray about it, and then I would kind of journal out, you know, how does this scripture apply to my relationship with God, my relationship to myself, my sinful nature, and then what can I take from this passage to apply it to impact others, and so. Um, and it was really cool, like at the end of every year, I would kind of go back and read through my journals and just kind of see the incredible things that God did, uh, you know, through ministry or through work and just really using that as an opportunity to praise and worship him. So, yeah, I would say um, personal time with the Lord through spending time in scripture, uh, prayer and then journaling was a, was a big thing for me as well. Heck yeah, that's awesome. So I think that'll wrap up Donnie's life up to now. Next week, be sure to tune back in and we'll get into some practical day-to-day applications, kind of see what Donnie's life looks like in present state. And then we'll also discuss how Donnie brings his faith into his workplace and stuff. So Donnie, do you have anything else for us today? Any uh, nuggets of advice? No, I mean, just I think we're all on on our own spiritual journey. I think throughout my life, there, there's been a lot of highs and lows. Um, I've had a ton of rugby injuries through my life. I think at one point I shared the story with you that I came pretty close to losing my le- left kidney um, in a rugby game. And so, you know, God is good always, even in those dark and hard times. And so just a reminder that God is faithful. It's, it's part of who he is. It's part of his attributes. And so... Uh, we can trust him in the highs and the lows and then everything in between. Man, that's really good to hear. So thank, thank you for that, Donnie. And then, um, you know, audience, thank you all for listening. Um, coming back for another week. You know, we're getting pretty far along, it feels like, in this. <laughs> so um, we enjoy you all coming along this journey with us. I know we've enjoyed it. We hope you all have to. Please, you know, give us feedback, follow, like, share it with someone else. Um, and we will see you all again next week. See you guys.